Welcome back to Maury's Music. My name's Maury Rutch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. We have a very cool topic to talk about today. How you doing today, Spoon? I'm doing very well, thank you. I hope you're well, too. Thank you for asking. I am. And I've got some good news and bad news. What would you like to hear first? Well, let's have the good news first. Well, the good news is we have a very cool show planned for today. We're going to talk about Tonewoods. Excellent. Excellent. The bad news is... I can't remember who asked us to do this, and I feel terrible. We're always asking you guys on YouTube and Facebook, give us some good show ideas. Somebody brought this up quite a few months ago, and I put it on the back burner, and I finally remembered to ask you about it. But what I did not do was write it down, save it, put it in my notebook, whatever you want to call it. I dropped the ball. So I'm going to take this opportunity during the show, if I can somehow summon the memory and bring it to light, I will tell you, uh, which of our loyal listeners asked us to talk about this subject today. But even if I can't remember, if you're out there listening, let us know in the comments section that this was your good idea. Very nice. Well, thank you, whoever you are. All right. So what do you know about tonewood, Spoon? Well, tonewoods are a particular kind of wood that produce a musical tone. A lot of people have heard about uh, people tapping wood and listening to very thin plates of wood and listening for the ping or the ring or the, uh, the hum and all these different things and uh, to try to gauge what it's going to sound like at, when it's uh, turned into a musical instrument. As Chris Martin, uh, C.F. Martin IV, has said more than once when he was trying to impress upon nations of the world with uh, exotic wood forests and trying to help them preserve their natural resources, he would say, you can make elevator paneling or an office desk out of any wood, but you can't make an acoustic guitar or violin out of any wood. Well, I've seen lots and lots of beautiful wood used uh, for office furniture, and particularly when you're looking at antiques, that could have made so many wonderful musical instruments um, when, you know, basically just about any tree uh, you cut down could be turned into an office desk. But it's not just that, even within those exotic woods, not every tree produces wood that's really good and useful for musical instruments. It is very much a uh, treasured natural resource, and I wish it had been treasured more longer ago. We're going to talk about two things in particular, the top of the guitar and the back and sides of the guitar. And for today's exercise, we'll keep it pretty standard. We're not going to get into exotic tone woods per se, because we do have a very cool program lined up with our good friend Mike Dickinson from Martin. And if it's okay with you, let's wait until he can join us before we talk about some of the really crazy stuff. Absolutely. That would be uh fascinating for us as well as our listeners. So yeah, we're going to basically focus on the woods that are most commonly used uh, for Martin guitars and other uh, professional level acoustic guitars. Spoon, if I were to tell our listeners that the top wood is more important or has more of an influence on the guitar's tone than the back and side woods, how would you react? I would uh, nod my head. I think most people are in agreement that the soundboard, what the real uh, sort of official name for the guitar's top is the soundboard for a very good reason. That's where the sound waves originate that end up um, turning into 
the audible tone of the guitar. But the back and sides would definitely matter. And the combination of the two is really uh, what it's all about. And not just that. There's, uh, you know, fretboards, necks, uh, other aspects of the guitar that are made of wood, the bracing, can all influence tone. So it's not really that cut and dry. But yes, the soundboard definitely plays an, a very important part in the meat and potatoes of a guitar's personality and voice. Everything we're gonna talk about in today's program, when we talk about soundboards and tops, are going to be solid pieces of wood. The back and sides on some instruments could be laminated back and sides versus solid back and sides. How important do you think it is that our listeners recognize everything today we're gonna to talk about has got a solid top? Well, I definitely think it's important, and we'll talk about that as we get into this, but there's definitely plenty of uh, very nice sounding acoustic guitars that are made with laminates and uh, particularly uh, some of the most expensive as archtop guitars uh, ever made. A lot of them have backs or back or sides that are laminated wood. So um, you get a different effect from laminated wood than you get from solid wood. But uh, that may be a discussion for uh, another show as we're mainly focusing or really focusing entirely on uh, the all solid wood instruments that are offered by CF Martin in their standard series and the other series that are around that level and, and then other you know, makers out there, uh, professional level instruments that um, likewise use primarily all solid wood tone woods for their guitars. Well, like I admitted at the beginning of this program, I did forget who asked for it, but I'm starting to remember some key details and I do wanna talk about the importance and the effect of certain tone woods, maybe as they relate to each other. Would you mind if we start talking about guitar tops? I wanna to say in the Martin catalog, almost everything has a spruce top, but some other guitars have mahogany tops. And within the Martin catalog, you can also find Adirondack spruce. Let's begin there, Spoon. Can you give us a brief overview on how Adirondack sounds compared to Sitka? how both of those spruces compare to the mahogany tops, and maybe we can give our listeners a good starting point and a reference. Certainly, certainly. It's important to remember that everybody has a unique experience when it comes to hearing sound and hearing tone. And I have said all along since I first started uh, paying attention to this stuff that I'm fascinated that there is so little vocabulary when dealing with musical tone that doesn't rely on metaphor. We talk about warm and bright and cold and these kind of terms that are normally used for color, uh, visual color or uh, more tactile feeling warm or cold uh, in your, you know, on your skin and, and so forth. So what might qualify as bright for me may not be the same thing as that would qualify for bright for somebody else and so forth. So, uh, so this is both my opinion based on my experience, but entirely through my own uh, sensory filters. Now, you said almost all the Martin guitars have a spruce top. Almost all guitars have a spruce top of some type or another. Uh, when you get into classical guitars, you'll run into cedar tops. But right now, we'll focus on, on spruce and we'll focus on Sitka spruce. Sitka spruce is now the number one spruce for guitars made in America and, and in other countries as well. 
uh, often. And for a couple of reasons, it was plentiful and Sitka spruce trees are quite large. So uh, much larger than um, other spruces out in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of the uh, spruce that has been used in modern times, you know, this century uh, actually comes from Southern Alaska. Some of it can also come from uh, British Columbia and all the way down, you know, into in the United States, but uh, in the lower 48 United States. And they look for, for the most part, quarter sawn wood. So that gives you very straight grain, but it gives you a great stability in terms of the stresses that these tops go under once they're cut so thin and then seasoned and dried out and then put on a guitar top and braced with a little slight bit of arc to it so that they're permanently under tension and you know and but still need to withstand an enormous amount i don't remember off the top of my head how many pounds of force is being injected into that soundboard once you turn those strings tune those strings up to concert tuning and when you have a longer scale it's even more tension so sitka is a uh it has high stiffness um but it's also lightweight and uh, as are most softwoods, spruce is considered a softwood as opposed to the hardwoods used for the back and sides and occasionally for tops. Um, it has a relatively high velocity of sound. So it gives off sound very quickly, you know, it kind of you know, flies out. And it has a very strong fundamental uh, note. Some people could call it a fat note. Somebody could call it, uh, you know, a powerful note. But the individual notes can be quite uh, solid and big and full and impressive. And uh, even when playing with a, you know, a light touch. But because it's got a wide dynamic range, you can play it hard and it still maintains the clarity of the notes without overdriving too soon. And even when it overdrives, you still get a good, good fundamental note out of it. I think it's preferred by a lot of people because of that. Adirondack spruce, which is what was primarily used on Martins up into the early years of the Second World War, or really probably all the way up through the Second World War, but but it became unavailable because of the Second World War and they just used up their supplies. That's Eastern red spruce. Another thing about spruce trees is you can't just cut any spruce tree down. It's a uh, red spruce grows from all the way up by Northern Ontario, all the way down into like South Carolina. But it's not all good for making guitars because you have to have a certain amount of grain lines to it. It can't be way too wide. It can't be too narrow. And other things about microclimates come into play. So you might cut down a spruce tree at a certain altitude and then have to cut another spruce tree down at a totally different altitude in these hills and mountains that they grow in because one of them is way down south and one of them is up north and all that. So, so it's not like any tree will do. And Adirondack spruce, whether it, a physicist will tell you it's stiffer, it feels stiffer, it responds stiffer, it has a, a greater stiffness to it. I feel like you can hit it a lot harder and maintain that tonal integrity. You can, it has a higher attack ceiling than Sitka. Some people say they don't like the sound of Sitka because it sounds fuzzy. There's somebody who's a 
One of the big shots on the unofficial Martin guitar form, I think, uses the word fuzzy because he likes Adirondack. He likes a very pristine clarity where, to him, Sitka has more of a glow around the notes. Other people love that. People will say that Sitka is a very warm, lush-sounding spruce, and they like that extra presence around the notes. And they don't like Adirondack because they say it sounds too dry, it's too snappy, it's too spanky, or, or whatever. And you can tell a lot about somebody's choices based on how they describe the sound of a guitar, the sound of different tone woods. We oftentimes will accidentally use terms that are negative terms, we don't necessarily mean them to be. When somebody says guitar sounds spanky, for example, or jangly, People use jangle to describe certain kind of strings or certain kind of guitars. And to some people, that's a very negative sounding word where shimmery might mean the same thing. So the two big ones that you typically hear about are Sitka spruce and Adirondack spruce. So you have Sitka spruce, most popular now because Adirondack was almost farmed out in terms of uh, wood that was available for guitars because it was needed for the war effort because it was so stiff and strong, they used it to make glider planes, zillions and zillions and zillions of glider planes that would crash land into war zones with uh, full of supplies or, or men. And Sitka spruce was, wasn't good for that sort of thing. Everybody gravitated to Sitka. There's gonna be people who tell you that a 1950s Martin with the Sitka spruce top is the greatest sounding guitar, not those Adirondack spruce top guitar from the 30s. Other people will tell you the opposite. I think Sitka works better with in more inferior guitars. We talked about, uh, briefly talked about laminated guitars because it's so powerful and has such a robust, meaty. A lot of people use the word meaty when describing Sitka. And it can be quite seductive when you're just strumming your heart out on a Sitka top guitar and you just get this big, full, bodied, robust roar out of it. Adirondack spruce, red spruce, also has a high velocity of sound. It's denser, it's heavier than Sitka. It probably, I know, I think, uh, what's his name? A builder in Maine who used to do the Schoenberg guitars with Martin, Dana Bourgeois. I think he says, you know, would agree with me that it's, it has a very high cross grain stiffness. And, um, and so it has strong fundamentals, but I believe what I hear with Adirondack, I feel like I'm hearing the back and side woods more. That's what I get out of it. I feel like it's a very clear window into the sound of a guitar's back and sides tone wood, because I think it adds less coloring itself. Other people say it's very colorful. I find the color is really coming from the back and sides woods. I feel like a rosewood guitar. I can hear the details of that, the rosewood or the details of a mahogany guitar or a maple guitar. I feel like you get this high definition, like a high definition photograph or look at it, or, or a metaphor I came up with long ago when I was first exploring this stuff is painting. And so Adirondack spruce is like a very hyper-realistic painting, maybe done in acrylic. 
where Sitka is more like an oil painting and lush colors and a certain kind of gravitas that's brought to it. And I know uh, people will disagree with me in terms of which one's basier. I think Sitka is often considered basier, but I really think people are saying it's warmer. You get that lusher mid-range and lusher low mids and lusher bass. With Adirondack, I feel you get a high definition focus on the fundamentals. You get more of an airy openness to the to the undertone of the guitar, the, which for me, undertone is really talking about the resonant tones that sound lower than the fundamentals, even if they're really a harmonic. In other words, the harmonic of the low E string is still going to be lower than the harmonic on the B string, for example. It's like the lowest frequency harmonic overtones. It's what I call the undertone. And I had somebody who worked in one of the big uh, acoustic labs, I think in Virginia, uh, reach out to me and say that, that you didn't invent the word overtone. Scientists have been using the same tone for the same phenomenon long before you were around. But I get from Adirondack, I feel like it's bassier because you get very powerful bass notes, but because it's not as fuzzy as that one person called it, you don't get as much glow around the notes. I feel like my mind's eye, my ears, eye sees down into that cellar much deeper and farther down. And I feel like it, it gives a more expansive bass to a guitar. Uh, people uh, who play uh, flat picky bluegrass stuff, they often like Adirondack because it's also very quick and the notes pop. That high definition tension, uh, that high definition note um, makes those notes really clear and, uh, you know, great clarity. That's what I mean. Great clarity, doesn't matter how hard you pay, play it. Some people play soft all the time, some people play hard all the time. I do both. And Adirondack uh, really works for me. The caveat for Adirondack spruce for me is it takes longer to break in. I feel like a, you own a good, you buy a brand new Martin and a year, it has an enormous improvement. At two years, you start hitting like, oh my God, this is spectacular. I think Adirondack takes longer to break in. And I used to call it like throwing a, skipping a stone across the pond. With a brand new Adirondack spruce, it feels like that you, you're playing it and it's almost like the energy you're putting into it, it's just skipping across the surface. And what you get is just the potential of what that guitar is going to really sound like. Um, so when you play a brand new Martin guitar with an Adirondack spruce top and it blows your mind, buy it because it's going to <laughs> sound so much better after two years, after five years, after 10 years, as that opens up and, the, and it gets more complex and it responds and you, you train that, it starts to respond to the music that you play that helps get in there and shake those fibers up and, and allow them to become more pliant and more resonant and on and on. So those are the two biggies. I mean, look at all the people who play Sitka Spruce Top. I don't care if you're talking about Taylor, Gibson, Martin, everybody out there, Tons and tons of Sitka Spruce, fabulous sounding guitars. If you're used to that, and then you go to Adirondack when you've never experienced it, you're thinking, oh, well, Adirondack's gonna be this, but it's gonna be better. And it's not, it's different. And different isn't always better for everybody. And there'll be things that are really kind of jarring at first, but if you're not used to 
how bright it sounds compared to Sitka, especially when it's brand new, how dry it sounds compared to Sitka, especially when it's brand new. So those are the two biggies. I like both. Once we get in the back and sides wood, maybe Mari, Mari can remember to uh, ask me about which, which tops I like with what a back and sides woods, but I'll wait on that. Okay, so that was my usual spoon completely going off the leash ramble <laughs> about Sitka and Adirondack spruce, uh, obviously something I'm quite passionate about. So let's turn it over to Mari Rutsch and his take on those two woods. Well, going back to the paint analogy, if you said Adirondack is acrylic and Sitka was more like an oil painting, which top would you describe as the spray paint that I use to paint the sides of railway cars? <laughs> I believe that's called boxwood, and it's not actually a spruce. <laughs> um. <laughs> you know, I, I like to do my graffiti. You know, that's my big hobby. But uh, if, if I was going to you know, help a customer decide what to do between Sitka and Adirondack, the way that I like to describe it, if you like the sound of Sitka, that's like a good set of guitar strings that have been on your guitar for a couple of days and maybe a couple of weeks and they're not new anymore but they still sound lively they're they're not muted or dead but they're just maybe broken in and settled in and conversely going to an adirondack top guitar that same guitar style with everything else being equal to me adirondack sounds like a brand new set of strings with that zing and that really really top Almost if you would, you know, scrape your fingers across the strings, that little noise that happens when you're running across a brand new set of strings, I mean, right out of the package. I kind of think that Adirondack sounds like that to me. In my defense, and I, I admit it, I'm not taking into account the low mid-range or the bass of an Adirondack top. I just mean the parts of a, of a song and the parts of a guitar's voice that sound like they're involved in the clarity and the treble and everything that's forward about a guitar's tone. I think Adirondack just sounds like you maybe took a little bit of a blanket off or took a cover off of a Sitka top guitar. But you made a really good point a few minutes ago. An Adirondack top really does react differently to a heavy attack. I almost want to say, and I'm, I'm dying to see what you think about this, does an Adirondack top sound its best when it's hit hard? And if you're not a heavy player, if you don't have a very heavy right hand, could you be in danger of maybe not waking up an Adirondack top the way you could? I think there are some players that play so delicately and so relaxed. Maybe an Adirondack top almost needs a good punch to, to get moving, or do you think that's just in my head? Well, again, when it's brand new, I think so. It, it loves to be played hard. I love playing my Adirondack tops uh, soft, too. I just know that, it, you know, brand new guitar in a guitar shop is not going to reveal what it's like to play that lightly. Lighter bracing helps. When Martins first returned to Adirondack Spruce for the Golden Era series, they, they did two things that I thought were quite fascinating. One is they came out with Golden Era bracing, which removed more wood in the scalloping to make the bracing uh, less stiff because they knew those stiff Adirondack tops wanted that. And, um, and just, you know, just remind people that modern guitar bracing, other than the authentic series, typically is more structurally sound or provides a, a greater 
uh, security against uh, the tops warping and stuff for warranty reasons. And um, the old Martins from the 30s, not only were the plates typically thinner uh, that they used for the back and sides and, and soundboard, but the bracing was a much uh, was much less sturdy and much more flexible. So they did that for the Golden Era series. The other thing they did was they used, uh, they, uh, for a time, they were using fossilized mammoth ivory, which is only partially fossilized. It's not like stone because that added a warmth to it and kind of filtered out the high ring, the high, high and almost startling starkness of that and a shrillness to brand new Adirondack and uh, spruce that goes away. But with a brand new and a, and a brand new bone saddle adds, adds high end gleam or shrillness is not, again, one of those negative words, but but that wears off uh, very quickly on, on a brand new saddle, uh, less so in Adirondack spruce. And the combination of the two, for people, for whole generations of people who had never played Adirondack spruce, they would walk into guitar stores and and would just not be prepared for the sound of a brand new Adirondack with a brand new bone saddle. So they went with that ma mammoth ivory, and it made a big difference, and made a big difference in, in how at brand new Adirondacks sounded until the wrong kind of people got involved with going out and digging up mammoth skeletons to get to get the tusks and uh once the once chris martin uh, read the story in national geographic about how bad it was for the environment he immediately stopped using mammoth ivory but yeah i think that's correct i think what you said is correct i like the analogy of the brand new very bright and vibrant strings versus the uh, slightly mellowed strings I think that's a good analogy. You had mentioned playing softer. So that's going to bring me to uh, to the next spruce, which is Engelmann spruce. Engelmann spruce uh, is from the American West, and it's a much softer spruce. And I always use the metaphor of if Sitka was an oil painting and Adirondack was the ultra-realistic acrylic painting, that Engelmann is a watercolor. It has this lamplight glow, or it's almost like, even though I, he was using oils, Van Gogh, his paintings with those glow, glowing bulbs of light around the lampposts and stuff, you get this kind of lamplight glow from Engelmann. And that's a uh, wood that really loves playing, being played soft. And it does not respond as well to being played hard. I think it's uh, brand new also, I don't think it sounds that impressive, brand new. It's another one that needs time to to break in. It's very straightforward. I feel like you get very focused, almost simple, pure top notes and a little bit of, of glow in the undertone. But the longer that you own that Engelman Spruce guitar, it just never stops getting more and more and more complex. And you start getting these amazingly complex overtones, particularly when you're dealing with back and side wood that produce a lot of overtones. But it is not, it's not like the Adirondack overtones. Adirondack overtones, I think, are, are very clear and, and you hear them very clearly. And it's like a big population of overtones hovering over top of each other and intermingling with uh, Adirond I mean, uh, Engelman spruce, you get more of a wash again, a, a pastel, maybe that's what I was looking for more than even a watercolor, but like a pastel or watercolor bleed of all these 
colorful overtones and can just be really stunning in uh, particularly like finger style guitars and stuff like that. I know that uh, John Mayer likes uh, Engelman. I think he was introduced to it by Dick Boak on his first signature model. It was, I think Dick actually chose the wood, but then he, he, did, he didn't have Engelman on all his uh, guitars, but he certainly went back to it and, and wanted it for his D45, John Mayer. And I think he, uh, a very good example of when he plays his poppy, snappy finger style tunes, you hear it, uh, you hear those notes pop out, and you don't get a lot else. So you hear the notes very clearly and they, and they come out quickly and they kind of go away quickly. But when you hear it more in the more delicate stuff, then you start, you get that complexity to it. And uh, Engelman overdrives easier. So it'll go, in, you'll get that kind of distortion, almost like an amplifier distortion uh, from Engelman if you play it too hard. And where you don't get that, you get that, Sitka has a much higher attack ceiling. Adirondack has the highest attack ceiling of all. Ingelman looks very nice. It's very super tight grain. Uh, the ideal grain for Sitka is wider, but not nearly as wide as Adirondack. Adirondack, because of its cross grain stiffness, you can have very wide space between the grain lines on Adirondack. And it's actually a good thing if you want a guitar that's going to sound better quicker. The uh, super tight Adirondack will take longer to break in, though you probably get, in the long run, it's probably worth it. Um, I had a Lawrence Juber Brazilian Rosewood signature model with a shockingly tight, perfect uh, grade eight limited edition top that I still regret to this day letting go, but I have this V-necks just weren't getting along with my arthritis. And then I guess the last uh, spruce we'll bring up in terms of, of the basic spruce is European spruce. Long ago, they used to call it German spruce, but actually that was because it came from a dealer in Germany. It could have come from Switzerland. It could have come from Austria. It could have come from probably Denmark, but basically it was Alpine spruce for the most part. Uh, there are rumors that there was some real German spruce in the 60s that was being smuggled out of East Germany. But for the most part, similar to the uh, United States, German spruce of uh, instrument grade was, was a lot of it, you know, was used for other things during the Second World War. So, uh, so a lot of uh, the Alpine spruce that might have been called German in the old days was actually Italian or Swiss. And we do know that uh, Stradivarius uh, instruments uh, came from a particular uh, Alpine valley in northern Italy. And uh, that was the number one spruce for violins, you know, famous violins and cello from, uh, from Europe. And on guitars, you hear it on the classical guitars a lot and fl flamenco guitars. But when it comes to steel string guitars, it was relatively new to Martin and they've used it on a variety of cool signature models. To my ear, whether you're talking Italian, uh, European spruce, Swiss spruce, uh, Carpathian spruce from across the Adriatic, I think it sounds like a combination of all three of the previous spruces. I think uh, to me, Sitka has a more metallic ring to the string sound. Adirondack has some of that, but I think it brings out the wood more. I think uh, Ingelman has that glow, and I think European spruce has a similar glow to Ingelman, but not as much. It has a growl to it under attack, similar to Sitka, but not as much. It has the that high ping, that real quick 
clear ping of Adirondack that flat pickers love so much. Um, and it's really is kind of a hybrid of it all. I think Carpathian spruce sounds more like Adirondack. It's almost like on that three band equalizer, the Adirondack has come forward and the Engelman uh, glow has kind of gone down. I think the high altitude Swiss spruce uh, that they call moon spruce, um, that I think has a very ample lamplight glow to it that reminds me of Engelman, but at higher tax ceiling and uh, still have a plenty of like sort of Adirondack pop and some Sitka growl. Some people think it's a myth. I know Lawrence Juber is completely sold on the idea of the moon spruce now. The idea being traditionally, just like the old Stradivarius violins and, and Shelley, when they would harvest it during the new moon, supposedly that made the sap content at its lowest. And so less sap, it would season faster and it would age faster. And Lawrence Juber told me uh, the last time I saw him, he one of the last things he was, was said to me, he wasn't just saying it to me, so I was another guy there, we were talking about woods. And he said he believed it was like a natural torrefaction that he felt like it added like five to eight years of break-in to the to a new guitar. Oh, wow. And it made it sound like it was already played in like five to eight years old. So huh. I think that's quite fascinating. As I haven't been around it enough to really uh, say I know it well, but I would love to uh, get my, my ears into some uh, serious moon spruce next to some other non-moon spruce, uh, Italian or Swiss uh, spruce and see what it's like. Hearing all this, I do have a question for you, and maybe we can assume some of our listeners are diving deep into all these details, but others simply want to have a, a decent idea how something compares to another. Could I put you on the spot to ask you, going from darkest to brightest, or maybe softest to most upfront, it's so delicate to choose these words, but if somebody wants to buy a guitar and we want to put it in terms of this is the guitar that has the least amount of brightness and zing, and on the other end of the spectrum is the brightest and the most focused. Could you kind of give us an idea where you rank all those spruces you mentioned left to right? Well, yeah, I think Adirondack is definitely the... the it's interesting because it is hard to put in words. Adirondack is the one, is the one at the far end, like you called it, the brightest, brightest, poppiest as the greatest headroom so you can play it the hardest it likes being played hard it doesn't respond as well to light playing when it's brand new particularly and uh, both all depends on the bracing and the size of the top and all that on the other end sitka is perhaps the lushest and warmest however the uh, european spruce is also quite warm but in a different way and it is i would say it's not as robust and full-bodied as uh, Sitka. Like I said, it's kind of a combination of Adirondack and Sitka, but with a more ethereal glow to it. And then Engelman, I put, uh, that's the softest, that's the one that likes to be played light, lightest. You can play it hardest, but you get diminishing returns. I don't think, it, I, it's hard to put it on a, on a specific scale because it's, uh, there's too many variables. Adirondack doesn't have any of that kind of lamplight glow thing that you get out of 
of uh, European and Engelman, for example. And the glow that you get from Sitka is meatier and more, uh, less ethereal and more like smoke filling a room kind of presence. So, so I think really it comes down to uh, if you want something, you can play the hardest and have it remain clear, clear, that's Adirondack. If you want something that is overall uh, versatile, that's Sitka. And uh, the European spruces, you're going to love them if you love them. When you're European and Engelman, you're going to really dig that sound if you play it. If you've never played them before, I would go listen to as many videos as you can, uh, good videos like at Maury's, and you can, you'll begin to recognize certain characteristics of different guitars that have the same kind of top. And that'll clue you in a little bit on, uh, on whether that's the one for you or not. Well, thank you. And if you're still listening and you're still awake, that proves you do have a serious interest <laughs> in what the top of a guitar sounds like and how it could affect your purchase, how it could affect what you choose and what you want to achieve. And it, even though we can't get really into the weeds on the Engelmans and the uh, Alpine and those sort of things, if you're looking at Mauri'sMusic.com and trying to at least decide between the two most popular, most prevalent, Adirondack versus Sitka, hopefully this conversation is guiding you towards a little bit of a semblance of figuring out what's going on. And Spoon, I know this is the elephant in the room. I can't get through this program without referencing this. Martin just gave an announcement early November that they will no longer guarantee the use of Sitka spruce on their guitar tops. They will also allow for the use of Lutz spruce. So before I even ask you to begin a comment on that, I want to reiterate, Martin is not saying that Sitka is going away. What they are saying, and I don't know if this podcast is going to age well or if these rules are going to change over time, but as we know right now, that if you buy a Martin guitar coming out of the factory post-November 1, 2022, it could have a Sitka spruce top. It could be a Lutz spruce top. Do you want to dare touch this with a 10-foot pole spoon, or is that for another podcast altogether? Well, I think so. I think people should know that Lutz is an artificial name. It's a hybrid. It's a cross between Sitka and white spruce. And I don't have much uh, familiarity with it. And so I know when it first came out on guitars, uh, there was like a, you know, experiment where, where different luthiers each made a guitar with it and that sort of thing. A lot of people say that it has a more clarity than Sitka and less resonance. So it's very similar to Sitka, but it's not exactly the same. And there are many people out there who think it's the cat's meow and think it's the, you know, it is the, the best uh, spruce to use. And, um, but I'm not the familiar with it. And, and I look very forward to playing uh, Martins that are made with it and they, but they're not going to tell us which ones are which. So they, they're, they're good at that. They've done that over the years. There were, when I first um, counted Martins, in guitar stores on a regular basis in the 80s and 90s, it was not uncommon for an HD28 to show up with an Engelman spruce top. It just did. It was just that would just happen. Oh wow! And it was considered an upgrade. A lot of everybody considered uh, Engelman an upgrade because it is more complex. But I uh, I beat the hell out of guitars, and I don't think it. Like I said, I think it has a lower a lower attack ceiling. So it's distort under a heavy attack. 
And I mean, uh, when I say heavy attack, I play harder than you're supposed to play. You're supposed <laughs> to let the guitar do the work and not put all your emotions into those poor strings. It's hard to do sometimes though. But uh, so, so yes, it's, you know, it's different. Therefore, it's going to be bad to in some people's minds. I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years from now, the uh, Lutz Martins are going to be, you know, declared universally the most, you know, much better than any Sitka Martin. So we'll see. But it is, uh, it is, uh, it was a surprising announcement and uh, just gives you an idea of how natural resources are so very precious and only certain pieces of wood can be used for a guitar soundboard uh, or for its back and sides. That's a good point. Martin could be using more Sitka than they are, but then they would be using less desirable pieces. I have to assume if Martin's going to go to make a switch, it's because they cannot source the wood they want to source as easily as they used to be able to. And if they could, you know, they, they wouldn't have come to this point. So let us know in the comments section if you are following along this program on the YouTube version, what do you know about Lutz Spruce? Have you ever played a guitar with Lutz Spruce? And if so, what do you think of it? Uh, I gotta tell you, the first couple of waves of reactions I've seen on the guitar forums and on Facebook, most people that are claiming to have seen Lutz in the past are saying it's an upgrade or at least a sideways move. So it's not that that's the right way to describe everything to our audience, but the people that seem to know about Lutz so far, the overwhelming majority of those people, when they have the opportunity to say, you know, good or bad, they've said good things. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I can tell you that as we're taping this program, all of our current inventory is still pre-November 1st. By the time this program airs, that might be a little bit different. End of 2022 into 2023, the opportunity for you to find a Lutz Spruce topped Martin is better than it ever was. So let's keep an eye on things and see how that works. But I'm really curious to see how easy it is to tell. Like you said, Martin's not going to tell us. Uh, as a dealer, we look at every guitar very, very carefully when it comes in. Now we have to look at it just a little bit longer and see if we can figure things out. Of course, we're famous for putting actual pictures of all of our inventory on the website. So once we get something in stock that's new, we certainly will share it with you as well. And uh, as always, we'll be as transparent as possible and let you know what we're thinking. Uh, but I would love to know what you guys think about Lutz Spruce and if you have any experience with it. You just mentioned about availability. Uh, over 10 years ago, Chris Martin told me that people are just going to have to get used to Martins with three-piece tops and four-piece tops because that's coming. And it hasn't come. And I think this change to bring in Lutz Spruce, and you can bet your bottom buttons on your spats that Martin has been building with Lutz Spruce for a while now. They don't just do this stuff. They've been quietly in R&D experimenting with this wood uh, there was no way that stuff was going to start showing up on a d28 or d18 unless martin was absolutely happy with the results but yeah this is part of a you know avoiding having to go to three and four piece tops it sounds like somebody was talking to tim teal <laughs> <laughs> and a hush fell over the podcast well let me ask you another question and i, I wanted to do this earlier but I think the time is now. What are your thoughts on VTS, a.k.a. Torrefaction? Well, I find it absolutely fascinating. I love science, natural sciences. Um, torrefaction is the process where they take material like wood and they expose it to heat that would normally 
cause it to burst into flame and burn up, but they do so in a low oxygen environment so it never catches fire. And this is a, a process that goes back at least to the Vikings. You know, a thousand years ago, Vikings were using torrefaction and Mike Dickinson actually was sent to Finland to study torrefaction when uh, Scandinavian guitar makers started using torrefied wood. And, uh, and again, something that Martin looked into for a good while before they, then, before they then started using it and putting it out. So the reason you, you would torrefy something in the old days was it, it made wood much more impervious to the elements. And then they learned to torrefy uh, animal feed so that it would actually last for long, long, long time after uh, it would have if it hadn't have been dried out through torrefaction. And they use it to make fuel pellets now and all these different things. So you get it to uh, when you when they start using it on musical instruments, which included the instruments all again, going back to Stradivarius violins and that sort of stuff. It was a common procedure back then, too. But it naturally accelerates the aging process. And so uh, once they got up in the modern era with electronic microscopes, when you look at torrefied wood under the microscope, it looks much more like wood that's hundreds of years old than wood that's brand new. And they've since tweaked it. And Martin's uh, proprietary vintage tone system, they've been able to tweak it so the early Martins with torrefied tops with their VTS tops, that was wood that was targeted at about 300 years old. But they've been able to narrow that down to about 80 years. So it is a lot more like a top that had been sitting around for 80 years. It's kind of like having a Martin made in the 1930s that somebody then stuck in a closet and never played when you buy a brand new. That's the way I kind of look at it. But it's still phenomenal. What it does for me when I mentioned the stone skipping across the water in an Adirondack spruce, brand new Adirondack spruce, and the vibrations not sinking in, sinking down in, and and mining all that tone that's trapped in the top, it opens that up. So you end up having a guitar right out of the box in a store that has this openness, as people like to call the sound of old guitars. This this. Like you can see down into the basement, your ears can hear down into that basement. It's like there isn't that surface tension you get out of a brand new top. And it's really quite remarkable. Um, it does change some other stuff. I think uh, I think it, it, it changes the overtone content some because it's not exactly the same as a really, really old guitar that has been played for 80 years. It's like you get a partial oldness sound to it while still getting a new guitar sound too. And we definitely know, I know people were worried about this thinking, well, it'll never break in. It's going to sound like this forever. And of course that's not true because all the other wood in the guitar is going to age. All the bracing and the glue joinery and all that stuff is going to develop and age. And, and we know our good friend Stan in down in Florida bought one of the first OM 28 authentic 1931s, one of, the, one of the first models that had the modern torrified tops. And he brought it to, he brought it back to multiple Martin Fests. And it was quite clear that yes, that guitar continued to break in and develop and open up. So it's not like it's frozen in time. 
It's just that the interior of the cells have all already been uh, dried out and crystallized. So that's not going to change much, but there's still plenty to, uh, to uh, age and break in and, and mellow out and all that stuff. So Speaking of playing guitar harder than you're supposed to be, I still remember playing his at Martinfest, and I, I punished that pretty good. Yeah, actually, I remember you uh, playing uh, Seminole Bingo on it uh, <laughs> in a very robust, uh, in a robust way that uh, Warren Zevon song. She held up. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. I don't think it's for everybody. I'm glad they don't do it on every guitar. I'm glad people have a choice uh, between Torfaction and non-Torfaction. I happen to love the sound of Martins without Torfy tops. And so I'm perfectly happy with my guitars without it, without them being torrified. As I used to say, I'm I'm from the generation where uh, we wore, uh, you know, we wore out our own blue jeans. We didn't buy them already wore out. <laughs> Not that you're wearing out the top, but uh, but yeah, I I like the fact that my, I'm training my tops. You know, since I have the guitar, it's re it's responding to how I play the guitar, and and I love how they. The resonance off of vibrato and stuff like that gets better and better and better and so forth. So, so I uh, I've yet to own a uh, torrified top, but I certainly always find them impressive. It's it's genuinely amazing to me when you play a guitar and play a torrified guitar right next to it, and the difference in that three dimensional tone that makes it sound like it's been you know an old guitar that's been played for years and years. It's very cool. I think it's kind of ironic that Martin finally figured out how to make torrefaction go from 300 years down to 80 years. Next, they're going to go down to how many years it's been since the Jets won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Just about. I don't know, you know, with that Rich, Rich Robertson's guitar, it's the first time they applied the aging techniques to a, uh, a guitar based on a you know a particular guitar artist model. Maybe they'll start doing that with Torrefaction too. Maybe they'll start zeroing it in, like you said. Maybe they'll come out with a John Lennon model someday that's based on his uh, 1968 D28 and Torrefy it to be right into 1968. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, it could happen. It could happen, and people will buy it, I'm sure. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> well, Spoon, it's been a lot of fun, and I have to tell you, I wasn't sure we'd have enough time to talk about this entire subject in detail correctly. We might have to move some of this program into next week, but we cannot begin thinking like that without at least talking about another very important top tone wood. What can you tell me about mahogany tops? Well, mahogany is a hard wood. Uh, it's quite dense, and uh, it's been used for guitar tops for many, many years. I've always liked the sound of it. The 15 series is Martin's mahogany top guitars. There's a, again, personal vocabulary in the way my heart and mind think and feel. There's a sweetness to it. There's something about those trebles that just make me smile. Um, it doesn't have the same overtone content you're going to get out of a spruce guitar, spruce topped guitar. It's warmer. Um, some people will say it's muffled, but that's really more when it's brand new. Uh, anytime you're going to use a hardwood for a top, whether it's walnut, koa, or mahogany, those are the typical ones used. It's going to take a little longer to break in, but boy, do they sound really good. When Particularly, I like koa tops too, but they take a very long time to break in. So you get less overtones, but you get this, uh, a different kind of uh, warmth, a different kind of glow. 
And you also get uh, increased sustain as they get older too. So mahogany top guitars work very good for like slide, uh, for example. I'm talking about the sustain of the actual notes. They last longer before they start to fade. But that's a, a phenomenon that happens again more uh, the longer you own the guitar and play the guitar. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. What's your take on the mahogany tops? Well, to me, the mahogany tops sort of have a throatiness to the mid-range, and maybe the brightest part of a Sitka top or the brightest part of an Adirondack top both reach higher, and I haven't done this to really uh, correct myself in advance, but I'm willing to bet that if you play a guitar with a mahogany top into a microphone and look at it on an analyzer, that the brightest part of that waveform doesn't really reach the right-hand side of the equalizer like a Sitka top would, uh, nowhere near what an Adirondack would. And I just feel like I hear when you strum a chord or play a note with a mahogany top, the brightest part of it is, the, is still in the mid-range. And it's one of those sounds that, like you said, it's a little bit more plain. You certainly don't have the projection. If you play as hard as you can, which I've been known to do, you can't bark the sound out of a mahogany top the way you could with Sitka or with, frankly with, with spruce. So it's a, to me, it's a softer sound. It projects a little bit less. It, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I, I've, you know, I could tell you so many countless stories of customers who played Sitka versus mahogany. And whether they like the looks of it is another question, but the sound of a mahogany top is so unique. And it's just something you can't get without having it. You can't get any Sitka or any Adirondack or any spruce top Martin guitar Regardless of how you play around with strings, picks, bridge pins, you can't do anything to a spruce top to get that really unique quality that only mahogany has. So if you look at something like a D15M or a Triple O 15M, there's nothing like them. And it's, if you kind of hone in on looking for that specific sound, it's maybe an acquired taste, but they're, they're so unique and they're still so popular. Credit to Martin because they make so many guitars in, in the lineup and their catalog is so huge. And the 15 series is still going strong. Yes, I, I've, I'm, I've never owned one, but I've had one in the house when I lived with a woman who had a 0015 for years. I would recommend to people to, again, look up videos. Look up videos of people who are playing a 15 series guitar that's owned it for a while, so you can hear what it really sounds like. Our friend uh, Scott Ferguson, Scooter, he loves the 15s, and they uh, like the big uh, 12 fret, Dreadnought version and his 12 fret uh, Dreadnought 15. Um, they don't actually offer that model more anymore, unfortunately, but he uh, he's had it for years. So seeing him playing at Martin Fest give you a good idea how beautiful those guitars can sound. And I think, like you said, it's an acquired taste. They're not, the, they don't have the vibrancy, but they're very woody. And I've been saving that word until we get into the back and sides. But yes, you get a very, you get a very warm, woody sweet woody tone from a mahogany top well speaking of back and sides you know what we're talking about next week get ready it's going to be a really good show i do want to thank all of you guys for listening and if you're still out there and you're still listening to this program speak up in the comments if you were the one who asked for this show i still can't remember who put that request out there but regardless we're very thankful that you did and we look forward to finishing this great conversation next week with lots of tone wood talk for the back and sides. Well, I didn't know we were going to talk about tops. I was only going to talk about back and sides. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, surprised me. From all of us at Maury's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later.
This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. Music.com.